0: Hi, I'm JD. This is ChimeraCast, a production of the Chimera Collective. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcatcher. We also have merch available and just launched our Patreon. For backing, you'll gain access to our Discord and the ability to vote on upcoming seasides. You can also get an RSS feed for an unabridged tableside version of the podcast, which includes all our banter, rules discussions, and session debriefs. We'll also have game readings and occasional exclusive seasides in that feed. Links to the details and our social media are in the show notes. I hope you enjoy Series 9. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm playing Melio Moretti, the Bard.
1: Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm playing Urazidi, the Spellblade. Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm playing
0: Kimin Belasquez, the Shaman. I'm JD, your Dungeon Master for this game. This is Chimeracast, a Dungeon World actual play podcast. pass through the step of sky's reflection you all have been traveling for about three weeks headed towards now on the horizon the titan's teeth that jut up ahead of you the three of you first pass a low wall made of smooth stone low enough that you can simply step over it this wall has writing on it on every inch of it in a language none of you recognize It is here really when you start to hear the sing-song kind of whispering voices on the wind as you enter into farmland. You travel a ways, still fighting the wind, and you're crossing fields and some pastures that you see being tended by dwarves. Dwarves here are perhaps a bit shorter than dwarves you may have encountered elsewhere, but otherwise are recognizable as what they are you come across another wall. This one about waist-high, easy to climb over, also covered in writing, every inch of it in these runes that you cannot read. This is where you see the first fallow farm. A family of dwarves are packing up, bringing things from inside of their small house, loading it up on a wagon. One of them is crying, sitting on the wheel, and all of their crops are dead. And their animals that they were raising here are dead. But you travel onward. Now you reach another wall. It's about chest high. It takes a little bit, but you can clamber over it. And here's the first time that you notice that the ground on this side of the wall is higher than the ground on the other side of the wall. You travel on through some more fields, heading slowly as this land slopes upward. That's not quite right. The three of you continue to travel onward as this land slowly raises each wall, bringing you a little higher up in the landscape. And the land in between each one is flattened. And so as you continue through the farmlands that support the city of Law, the land raises higher and higher. You reach another wall, and this one has steps leading up it. As you travel, you see a few more fallow farms, one clearly long abandoned, the land there dead, the soil underneath your feet seems to have a syrup-like thickness to it. it, sticks to you, and almost seems to cling to your boots as you pull your feet up, but nothing is growing, not even weeds, the house that's there has fallen, and the wood is quickly rotted. You travel up as you head into this valley, the Titan's teeth jutting out on either side of you as you climb a little higher and a little higher. And eventually you reach a place where the mountains are really beginning to meet. And rather than this wide open valley, you're heading up the crevice in between these two mountains, one on either side of you. And it is here that you come to the actual outskirts, or the actual limit of the city of law. Likewise, much like those small, low walls, this city has a massive one, and every inch of it is covered in writing. But unlike the other ones, this one's not open to you. There's a gate, and it is closed. In front of it is a dwarf, holding a shield that is taller than him. He plants it in the ground, and stands next to it, looking you over, looking these strange travelers over, humans, here, and he calls to you. Who goes? What do you do?
1: Well, I think it should be quite obvious who goes there. Do you not recognize the sigil of the ruling house of the Ashkashari Empire? Urazidi flourishes his cloak... If they did, ZD, they wouldn't have asked.
2: Three weary travelers come from far distances with a mighty fine gift for your city, if you don't mind me saying so. Am I the one who has the flower? I believe I am.
3: That's fine with me. Kimmon pulls the bell jar out of his pack. The flower, suspended magically in it like Beauty and the Beast, quivers a little bit. I believe this is something that you all want. Things have been getting a little cramped around here, as I understand.
0: Please wait. And the dwarf turns and lets out uh, a couple of high-pitched notes. Almost seems uh, like a voice shouldn't be able to sing that way. turns back to you all. You hear from within the city a sing-song kind of response. It is being considered. You will have to wait.
1: Were we not hired by the city to go get this flower?
0: No, I think this was...
1: Oh, this is like our goodwill.
0: Yeah. You all learned when you realized that you needed to travel through here that they respect. They have like a gift culture here. And that's pretty much the only way that strangers can get through. Gotcha. Can't we wait inside? The dwarf simply motions to the side. The side of the path that you've been following. There's a patch of... Dead wildflowers there, and he says nothing else. Kimen rolls his eyes and begins, like, huffily
3: walking over to the patch of wildflowers and sits on the grass.
2: Milio stares amusedly at the keeper of the gate. So, I gotta ask you: Are there like letters in that language that you speak to each other, or how do you form a sentence?
0: It is another form of speech. It is not written. All that that is written is law.
1: Are the symbols in the wall? You said they're like indecipherable, or just a language we didn't
0: recognize. They're decipherable. It's just c- clearly a language you don't know. Okay. The gate also has writing on it. I should have noticed. Trying to think of of how I could describe it. It's more angular than Dwarven runes that you are familiar with. Um, It is, it looks somewhat stenciled is probably the best way I can like describe it.
2: Gotcha. So, do y'all only write on your walls? We climbed a couple of them, and they all seem to be covered in the same writing here.
0: More you will have to ask your
2: guide. If you are allowed to stay fair enough hey one one question anybody ever learn that language that you guys speak an outsider that is
0: he frowns at you
2: maybe i'll be the first and then i i think you i think you get a a low like hoo hoo maybe something like that i don't know
1: if the wait gets very much longer uraziti pulls out his coin purse and paws through it and finds a coin (sighs) if there's one thing i've learned by dealing with the conquered people and he walks up to the guard look will you just open the gates and let us in somewhere civilized for this and he like holds it out on the palm of his hand almost like you'd feed a dog I think you get the word civilized out, and Kimmin, like, starts
3: getting to his feet. ZD, 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 ZD. Not the best way to handle this kind of situation, and most
1: people don't like... Just sit down. Just sit down. Please. I will say that you could potentially hit my uh, flag right now. Yeah, I wanted you to push back a little bit, and that was what I was trying to do. Sit down. (sighs) In the grass, in these clothes? Ugh, peasant. You can sit down naked if you want, ZD, that's fine, but everyone is corrupt. Why would he be insulted at the notion of simply making a little extra money for his family? Even
3: if he is corrupt, most people don't want to be told they're
1: corrupt, and they certainly don't want to be assumed that they're corrupt. Corruption is what makes bureaucracy function. You'd never get anything done if the bureaucrats weren't corrupt. You might as well just take the money and let us in. Zidi, they have a culture of gift giving. That was the whole plan was
3: to bring a gift. They don't have a culture of bureaucracy. Have you seen anything that resembles bureaucracy on the way here? Not every place is run like the Empire. In fact, very explicitly, we are traveling to a place that is not in the Empire. Sit in the grass.
1: Uraziti pointedly walks to where Kimin is pointing, but does not sit down. And you hear him just mumbling, "It's Uraziti, not Ziti." <laughs> did that? Did that hit you well enough? Yeah, yeah, no,
0: that was good. Okay. As you walk away from the dwarf, I don't know if Uraziti would notice, but uh, Kimin, you see the dwarf take his hand off the crossbow that he was holding or that's like, rests at his side.
3: makes the most obvious show of apology that he possibly can. Ducking low and keeping his hands together as to not appear threatening. A bow is the first thing that Nathan comes to mind, but whatever would pass in particularly the Empire is a show of apology.
0: Yeah, I like that. Gentlemen, we are
3: going to be encountering perhaps more than one culture that we are not familiar with. So maybe interrogating someone about their language or assuming that everybody can be bribed is not the way to stay alive. If either of you spent even a moment the Feylands, you would have been beheaded by even suggesting either of the things you just did. So maybe cool it a little, huh?
2: You know, if you need help taking the edge off, you can just ask. <laughs> For the last time, no. I'm just saying, going back and forth seems to really get you spiky sometimes.
3: Razidi, how about you? Any drugs you want to
1: offer? Thoughts? Sorry if I was harsh.
2: You should be harsh on the damn kid.
1: I seem to be out of any of the glint that I brought. He's not, but what he has left is his personal stash. Then he's not a sharer. It's it's weird that when you're raised as the son of the Shah, you don't get instilled with those those things like sharing. I am adding this place to the list of cities that will fall to me when I inherit the throne. Then they will accept the bribes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, Kimin looks at ZD for a second, and to see if you're serious, I assume that you don't make any sort of joking face.
1: No, oh, no, he's very he's very serious.
3: Kimmin laughs to himself, and then as he begins to settle down in the grass, you just hear, Hoof! What's the matter, dog?
2: Got your it's tongue?
3: You know very well what happened, and Kimmin huffily just
2: turns around. I'm just saying, man, I think he's really edgy ever since that dog got him.
3: And if you, in case you didn't listen to the Session Zero stuff, or if you just don't remember, which is totally fine, and helped a, uh, a dog who was split between worlds pass on, but some of the spirit was imparted on him. The
0: gate creaks, and these doors covered with this writing kind of shutter open. Standing there is another dwarf. You see within the city, beyond him, it is... I won't say bustling, but it's, it's a functioning city. People are moving around. And you see... Not too far behind him, another of these big walls. And up above that is another level, and people are up on that next level. So unlike this wall, which stands where the ground is level on both sides, the next one after this is another step up. And this dwarf comes out to you, and he gives a kind of bow. Certainly not the kind that you're used to, Uruziti, but a bow nonetheless. He wears brightly colored uh, wool clothes. And his hair and beard are all loose and flowing. He comes up to the three of you. Hey Misht
2: Come again?
0: The council has decided that your gift is accepted. We thank you. I am to be your guide. What brings you to law?
1: We wish to pass through to the vulture lands. We have a this gift for your city and I, of course, would like to talk to your, your king or ruling council, whatever you have here.
0: He gives you a, a look with a kind of cold gleam in his eye when you mention the vulture lands. And then you mention, of course, your gift and wanting to meet the council.
1: I would also like to remind you of my background move. Tales of your legend are already beginning to spread. When you enter a new settlement, someone who's heard of you has a job for you. All right. And we had talked about that it's probably less of like wanting a job and more of like wanting something from probably one of the more powerful people who's just like drifting around the world
0: right now. Oh, good. Cool. Thank you for that. What is the gift that you have
2: brought?
1: I believe my retainer here has it. Kim and shoots you a look. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, Emilio's cracking
3: a
2: huge, <laughs> toothy smile
1: at Retainer. Yeah.
3: Kimin like, blood trickles out of his mouth as he bites his tongue harder than he already was.
0: <laughs>
2: I hold up the bell jar.
0: A flower?
2: Don't be coy with me. You know what this is. This isn't just a flower. This is the beginnings of something fresh for the city of law. You know full well this bud will grow rampantly within your walls, giving it beautiful vegetative life. Something I failed to see. And I look from side to side and all the you know I think you said it was basically like soft muck. The ground was like it had like a damp muck feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just gesture at the ground. Did I forget what this
3: flower did? I thought it was I thought it was for reproduction.
0: It is. I think he's implying it's a general life-giving thing.
3: Gotcha. Okay. Making sure I remembered.
0: Cool. I see. And what is it that you want within the Vulture Lands? And as he says this to you, at the same time, he sings songs.
2: Each of us comes for our own purpose. Me? I'm just looking to find out a few things.
3: Don't be coy, Emilio. Um, you're writing a,
2: a, a poem. Some would say I'm a little bit of a, a balladeer, and I've been sent on a commission. And I don't like to brag, but someone real, real rich and real, real powerful wants me to find out about the truth of their origins, which they believe to be at the center of the Vulture Lands in connection with the Cyclopodes.
0: Ziti, are you going to say anything? Uh,
1: Well, I think it is well beneath one such as you to even ask such a thing of a prince of Ashkashar. I seek a simple trinket among the wastes.
0: I understand. The council will meet with you, son of Ashkashar, and your companions and then we shall see whether you make it to the vulture lands follow me he turns as he does so you see that he has the same kind of shield on his back that the dwarf that was guarding the gate has with running all over it and he leads into the city i assume you all follow
1: was um retainer really necessary ZD? I am simply trying to get you used to the notion of it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Get used to it.
3: No, that we just that we just cut from there. We we could get into a circle of, of backbiting and all that. Yeah. But no, I think that covered what we needed.
0: As the three of you follow Ishth into the city of Law, the gate is closed behind you. Urazidi as you turn back right as the gates are closing. You see standing at the bottom of the Howling Valley that you guys have made your way up today, just a figure in red armor all the way back down, standing at that first wall. And the gates close.
1: For a brief moment, (laughs) Uraziti makes the, like, yikes face and pulls at the
0: collar of his cloak
1: a little (laughs) bit before hurrying after.
0: Yeah, the three of you make your way up through the city. As the city comes up, it gets narrower and narrower, and... Each of these steps gets taller and taller as you make your way up. Until finally, after traveling up to the city for a good, good little while, passing these dwarves in their brightly colored wool, uh, making their way around the city, you pass a marketplace, you pass a like what appears to be a little theater, the kinds of things you would expect to find in your average city um, that you're used to traveling around in. But you finally make it to the final wall, or at least the last one that you can see. And this one rises so high above you that you can't see the top of it. But again, every inch is etched with this writing, just as every wall up into this point has been. And here you climb up a switchback staircase. Sitting in a arcing table are a bunch of old dwarves, all of them with very long hair and beards. Ishth says something in a kind of low growl that almost sounds like a whisper to you and a few of these council members seem to argue back and forth with each other also in these low growls that sound so quiet after a moment isht turns to you kimin and says you may present your gift to the council and at this a what must be some sort of servant of some kind dressed in undyed wool kind of that tan, whitish-brown, walks over and sets a small table down in front of you. This is followed by a a little bustling, three like stools are brought out for each of you and each one is placed right behind you. But then in between where you guys are and the council, exactly in the middle, is this little kind of coffee table.
3: Kimmon pulls the flower out of his pack and carefully sets it on the table, bows as best he can, imitating Ishth, from earlier in the day, and moves backward and sits down.
0: There's a few more of these low growls coming from in between the council members, and then Ishth turns back around to all of you. He's kind of standing off to the side in between the council and, and you three now at this point. The council accepts your most generous gift. In exchange, they have told me I am to guide you across the Harpy's Pass to the edge of the vulture lands.
3: We are very thankful for
1: the aid and appreciate you accepting our gift. That being said, and well, I'm sure my companions may find this a bit of a direct question, but what what do you want in exchange? I've ruled long enough to know that no one just
0: gives anything. So let's have it. Ishth growls toward the council members and there's again an exchange of some more growls but then amongst that there's some now sing-song addition to it in the middle of this multiple council members are kind of speaking at each other over each other one of them stands up at one point kimin is now sweating profusely and
1: staring bug-eyed at ziti urziti is looking around for uh one of those servants that he can ask for some tea
0: they're all standing, like, over along the the edge of, of the wall behind the council table, also covered in writing. This is kind of the, the end of the city, right? Like, it, it meets in this V, and there's these two walls, you know, colliding against each other at the back of the council table. And it's, like, curved around there, and you guys are in front of that. Yeah. If you notice the servants, they don't seem to pay any attention to you is the point of that. They're just chilling over by that wall.
1: Okay, gotcha.
0: After a little bit of this, the council, like, settles down. One of them says something to Isht in this growling language. And Isht turns back to the three of you. The council asks, assuming the three of you are able to survive the Vulture Lands, that when you return, you will take one of our wall readers with you as an advisor in the future of your reign.
1: That seems simple enough. One can always have... More retainers, and Razidi nudges Kimmon.
3: Kimmon has re- started to relax a little bit, realizing that this isn't going terribly,
0: but still doesn't appreciate that. <laughs> I think at that, one of the council members says something again, and some of the others nod, and Ish turns again to you. The council has other things to discuss. We ought to leave. I will guide you through the city to whatever you need, and we will leave tomorrow, and we'll head up toward the gates of Jet. And then he leads the way kind of back to the stairs and stands there until the three of you are ready.
1: Is there anything that you guys need that's like, you know...
2: This is a part of the contract, isn't it? Okay. (sighs) And I crack my back... And I uh, start to take off my poncho that is covered in ink. You said there was a table that all of these council members are sitting at? Yeah. I'm going to walk up to this table. Is there space upon the table or a bunch of food? Or is it just an empty table?
0: It's an empty table. It's a formal table or whatever.
2: I lay my poncho covered in ink across the table as it moves in characters and figures. Ugh shake out my hand and then just right onto the table, onto the poncho. And you see the ink just fly up and create this, this like pastiche of different figures. And if no one's interrupting me
0: at the original, like rise of them or whatever, there are like some, Ooh, kind of noises
2: with these inky shadowy figures. I would like to tell the tale of Frothgar's rise to power. It doesn't have to be a roll or anything. It's definitely something I think is just kind of... Uh, it was in the fine print of what I was told to do. It was like, hey, go write a song about me. And make sure to tell people about Frothgar whenever you're in a different land. I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, I'm down for a roll if that's what you want to
0: do. Yeah, yeah. Gimme it's a fight danger plus charisma. I don't think the stakes are real cool. high here, but you were just told, yeah, you told even now you're going to do your own thing. So. Uh, that'll be a 10. There you go. I think there are a couple of like grumpy noises don't we have better things to do you like get that immediate impression but then one of the eldest of the council holds up a hand and lets out like kind of a low and all of the other ones like just go silent and they watch this story unfold i don't know if you want to describe a little bit about you know the major story beats or whatever that you're hitting but i am into it
2: yeah the main story beats that they get across The unexpected death of a family member traveling across far lands to return home, the challenge to an outsider for the throne, a fight to the death in hand-to-hand combat, a dwarf twice his size being felled like a tree, and Frothgar, covered in the blood of his enemy, taking the throne. I think the only reason you even got up to
3: the table was Kim and we all got up at the same time and Kim and just started walking toward the back and didn't realize you had been walking toward, you know, the table. So I just want that included. <laughs> yeah, that it's I wouldn't have gotten reason, away with this. Only reason this proceeded.
0: I think it's, it's interesting. Maybe if ish, what is your companion doing?
2: Oh, yeah, because you guys have a minute like this. This is a couple, at least like a 10 minute ceremony. Oh, I think he's going to put on a show
0: at that he emits a little of this like singing as well like right as the show is just starting you know before that elder council member silences the others yeah when
2: you've concluded what do you do i take a deep bow in the tradition that i've seen in frothgar's courts for my short time there how his servants would treat frothgar how they would enter and exit and as i put my poncho back on i take the ink from on the poncho and one last time, throw it into the air, right? The the ink like slipping off of my hands, but staying connected. For those at home, think of like Venom or Carnage or whatever, almost like how the symbiot- symbiote like kind of inky comes off in that style. And it creates uh, Frothgar's sigil. Which is? Great question. <laughs> um, Wasn't it the Black Bear or whatever?
0: Yeah. Because originally he worshipped a white bear, and then he, he switched yeah, allegiances right. in his very first adventure. Yeah. It's, it's Keg. Of- yeah. The
2: black bear. The god he worships.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, after, after you do this, there's like a chorus of the sing-songiness and some some other mutterings in the in the low growl. But yeah, it's this kind of like choral, like, Wah! after you're done, right? That kind of fills this little corner of the mountain.
3: Is it an applause? Mm-hmm. Sweet. Son of a bitch.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's cool. And Ishth crosses his arms uh, as you are walking towards him and says, The council is surprised at this unexpected gift. They were not told that you had another. What do you ask in return?
2: Just that they know the name, Frothgar.
0: He says something and there's a uh, some sort of response. And then he just motions towards the stairs. He says, "Um, it will be
2: so. I'll make my way out after that. Let's be honest. Milio is like shoulders back. Maybe he had a few like bad live mics at the last few dens they've been at. But that was uh, that was the A plus performance he's been looking for. So I think I feel I feel real good.
0: Yeah. So you guys basically have the evening in law to do what you want. Ish is your guide. He will take you to pretty much do whatever you guys want to or need to do um, before you head out for the, the Vulture Lands tomorrow. So you guys can think about maybe what you want to do here. If, if there is nothing or you're just good, you just want to move on, that's cool. But if there was anything that you guys wanted to check out in the city or whatever, just let Ishth know and he will do his best. Kimmon doesn't want anything.
2: I, I do, but I wanted to wait for you guys to...
1: Yeah. ZD want anything in the city? I was going to ask him where to get Glint.
2: Uh, Z, what are you? Yeah, I'm collecting stories. We walked by a theater earlier. Part of my mission here is to also hear the ancient stories of dwarves. Oh, okay. If there's something happening tonight, might as well take it in, even if it just makes makes JD think about an event, whether it be heroic or tragic, that happened to the city of Law that they might perform.
0: So then, Kimin, was there anything that you were going to ask of Ish? So I'll say what what Kimin wants.
3: And I don't, I'm not going to ask Ish for this. This will be something probably when we're going to bed or something. But I want to I wanna okay. get a feel for the spirits that dwell in this place. Interesting. So that's, that's something cool. for you to be thinking about that we can address, again, probably at bedtime. Okay. But no, I'm not particularly interested in the city itself.
0: How do you guys want to handle that, I guess?
2: I guess I would ask first, and then I feel like uh, ZD can follow up with, like, is the theater a good place yeah. to get drugs, or what's the deal? Cool. Okay, cool. Uh, Isht, that little uh, theater that we passed by, any chance there's uh, stories in the city of law that I can take back to where I'm from? Anything I could see tonight?
0: Isht simply says, uh, in fact, yes, tonight is one of my favorites. Something uniquely law. I will take you. It would be my honor. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll do that scene, and then Ura ZD you can chime in whenever you want for your next one. Does that sound good to you guys?
2: Yeah, yeah. Cool.
0: So, uh, yeah, Ish leads you back down a few more levels. You get back to this little theater. It's pretty small, but it is distinctly a stage um, with some seats in front of it. It appears to be more of like a... It's not like a, a wide... Popular cultural thing to do any kind of theater plays aren't huge here or whatever, but the thing is, is that there's like a little ale house attached to it, and the idea is that they sell drinks to the people who are the show's just on. It gives you something to look at, but it's it's clearly not a like cultural yeah. import here. But would be something that you would pick up given your yeah. background as a bard. Are they plays, or would they be
1: more operas? Like, are they doing them in this sing-song voice?
0: Yeah, that actually does make sense to me because. They're dual uh, register, so you could still have a conversation with the person next to you in your quieter growly speech, and then the high sing song is what the the performance is in. So yeah, that's cool. It is more opera. It's um, I don't want to say it is more improv, but there are no like props and there's no background. Yeah. So everything is told to you, and I think there's a clear role as this is kind of starting of a narrator who's saying what's like going on. You know, so and so walks in carrying something. Like, they just tell you. And I think Ish is like yeah. translating for you as this goes on. And we'll talk more a little bit about like the, the play and everything. But what are the two of you doing, Kimin and Urazidi, while Milio is watching this play? We getting good and drunk, Zidi? Yeah, no, that's kind of what I was thinking.
1: <laughs> I pull out my coin purse and, uh, well, I guess if the god doesn't want this, we'll just have to add it to the city's uh, economy some other way with a significant look at like the beer garden area
3: for the first time this entire day kimin's eyes kind of light up and not in panic but in actually looking forward to something <laughs> i'll fetch the maid
0: yeah i think you two grab a grab a drink right and they come in these little like kind of saucers and it's extremely bitter and it's much more high alcohol. This is not beer. This is much closer to like a distilled drink and it's it's not clear what it's made of. It has a kind of yellowish hue to it, but it's hard to tell in the saucer. Sick.
2: We're 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 drinking some high high gravity shit.
0: Yeah, and like I said, very bitter and it leaves a kind of like astringent note lingering on your tongue.
3: I'm imagining it kind of like rooty, like earthy, like turnip booze.
0: Yeah. So, this theater or whatever, opera, whatever you want to call it, as Ish kind of explains to you what's happening in it, is telling the story of an old council member who was caught in. It's like a, a political drama, I mm. guess, right? And it's all about, it's a lot of these council members like arguing with each other. One of the main characters is like a wall reader, which is like part sage, part lawyer. And the climax of the story is that this council member pays some mercenaries from another land to foe attack the city under the guise of destroying one of the walls. And that's it. They destroy this wall. The valiant defenders of the city suddenly find that the mercenaries are, are run away by their, their crossbows. And at the end of it, the council member sits smugly. Uh, and it's like the, the final shot of the play or the opera is this council member grinning silently as the other council members are all arguing with each other and that's the end
2: do the council ever talk to the people
0: do you mean in the play
2: no i mean how connected are they to those that they govern
0: of course the council are not above us Any of us can approach them and speak with them. The council are not our rulers, as you would know and understand it.
2: It's just hard for me, an outsider, to understand if that was a tragedy, a farce, or something heroic that that guy did.
0: There are those that would call the loss of a section of law a tragedy, certainly. There are those that view that... Dwarf, as a hero of a different sort, depends on how you read things, I suppose.
2: How do you read it?
0: Much like the walls themselves.
2: Well, how do you read it?
0: I read it as dead history from long ago. What had happened, happened, and the law changed. Some of it was lost. No one really knows what was written there. So, it does not matter.
2: You're a real practical guy, Ishth. I respect that.
0: I have found it helpful in travels elsewhere.
2: So, the walls themselves are inscribed with the history of this place? The story is written in the layers of this city?
0: No. The walls are written... With the law. And we did not write it. The law does not change, so it is not a history. You will find that in our language, the word for wall and law are the same. You see?
2: I can see, yeah.
3: In the background, while the two of you are talking over this table, you just see uh, the conversation between Kimmin and Zidi getting progressively more and more heated.
1: <laughs>
3: Eventually, like getting in each other's faces and the the table getting flipped, and like the bar manager coming out and ZD throwing money at him as as like I'm trying to apologize.
1: <laughs> it's probably the closest that ZD ever gets to apologizing is just throwing a bunch of money at a problem. <laughs> How much to make it go away?
0: <laughs> uh, if you're going to do that, then Ish is going to have to end this conversation. So I guess that's
2: it. Yeah, we can <laughs> we can end that conversation mid-question. Mid
0: you two are arguing and things are getting really heated. And then Ish stands up from this conversation with you, Emilio, and turns around and basically gently shuffles the two of you out of this place.
1: Ish, th- uh, is there a place around here where... There's a less uh, discerning clientele.
2: On a scale of from one to Fredericksburg, how drunk are you as you're asking this?
1: Medium drunk? (laughs) I mean, I feel like Razidi has spent his entire life being drunk to some degree or another because
0: he's lived a very indolent life for the most part. Ish, the looks at you and says, uh, what exactly are you looking for? We are far from Ashkashar. The pleasures there cannot compare to those here. I am sorry.
1: Urzidi puts an arm around his shoulders. I assure you, my friend, you will be experiencing the uh, pleasures of Ashkashar soon enough. And then he pulls a vial out from like the inside of his cloak and holds it up to the light. And like it's empty, but you know how sometimes there's like the, the dusting that's still inside a vial? There's like a dusting of the red glint that they had.
0: Mm, -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm, I see. Our trade is little, and your people have not seen fit to begin exporting their produce here. I am sorry to say, friend. Are you absolutely certain of that? I remind you we are far from the Empire. You'd have better luck finding Lotus, perhaps.
1: Urazidi's eyes light up. Tell me, friend, what is Lotus? It's probably the first time he's sounded interested the whole time in anything. I'm just like, ooh.
0: Ah, uh, if you are used to Glint, you will not want it. I think it is a less stimulating.
1: Will it make me
0: forget that I'm here? It would, but it would not make your travel to the Vulture Lands tomorrow particularly easy. <laughs>
1: I can deal with the hangover, my friend. Lead us to the Dream Lotus.
0: Totally. So I think that he leads you into a spot where in the flat step, there's a carved series of steps down within it. And there's like an underground room that even as you open like the outer door to, there's like this kind of ethereal haze to it. The air shimmers a little bit. I think like the smoke of Dream Lotus is more of this kind of like mirage-like shimmer in the air. And he leads you guys down. Uh, are you all following on this one, or is it just Uruzidi? I'm going.
3: I'm sorry, but the, the hardest I get is, is booze. Um, Can you point me toward our beds for the night?
0: If you will wait here, I will lead you to them. Trust me, once your friend is there, I will know exactly where he is for the rest of the night. Understood. And, yeah, so Uruzidi uh, leads you down into this Lotus Den, and then he emerges a short time later. You know, it's maybe 20 minutes or so, and then we'll lead you guys down there. Uh, Zidi, did you want to do any scene um, like down there, other than the fact like, I'll I'll do a little thing when it comes to you actually you know, taking the drug. But, yeah. Yeah. No, um,
1: I think I'm good unless Emilio wants to
0: have a scene.
2: Now I'm his co-pilot. So I might, uh, I might, uh, hang out and see what he does for the scene, but I use me as a prop as you want ZD. Oh, you're yeah, chilling down yeah, there with yeah. him. Okay, cool. cool. I'm yeah. down there. I'm not going to so, take the full brunt of it, but I'll, I'll hang out with ZD.
0: Yeah. You're just getting the, uh, the, like the contact high from being in that den more so than you are. Yeah. Anything
2: else. I'm trying to understand also the culture here.
0: And then Kimin Ish then emerges and leads you. He does have like a strange smell about him now, that is somewhat off-putting, uh, as someone who does not do lotus. But then he will lead you up, and as part of this, you walk past as he as he's leading you back up the steps of the tiered city. And at one point, you actually walk past one little section of the of the city that is not tiered off, but in fact is like a little slope of rubble and rock and dirt and flowers and stuff that have all grown in this ramp. But he leads you past it and to the stairs and leads you up a little further into the city to a kind of, you know, a modest hut. There are a few different rooms for you all to stay in. Yeah, it's made out of stone. I do want to talk to him while we're walking. Oh, sure. What do you got?
3: Um, Ishtar, you'll have to forgive me if I've been a little... Kimin, rocking a little bit. His breath hot. Um, but I'm here, I don't think i answered your question before, purposefully, I'll admit. Um, I'm interested in the, in the spirit uh, world. What, if you'll allow me to be direct, what, um, what sort of spirits inhabit your beautiful city?
0: Spirits, what do you mean?
3: That can get a bit hazy from place to place, and for that matter, the membranes can be a bit more permeable in places, and a little less forgiving in others. Some places it can be the dead, the newly deceased, or long-since deceased, who've managed to remain walking the world as you or I. In other places it it refers explicitly to the Fae, uh, the sprites. Some people call them gods if they manage to harbor enough attention, we'll say. You place a lot of emphasis on the walls. Do the walls have personhood, or are they deities of some kind?
0: We are a society that does not worship. We do not have gods. I have seen them in other places, but we only believe in that which is written. And he runs his fingers along the stone of the wall that has writing on it as the two of you walk past it. So in a way, they are revered, yes, but not as spirits, no. Respected, perhaps, like an elder. What you speak of sounds more like what you find where you're going.
3: Kimmen grins.
0: That which is reaching towards us.
3: I'm sorry, reaching toward
0: us? Certainly. And he points out along the path as the two of you are traveling a little patch of flowers that have wilted. Ah. This place you are going, it has been growing. And while the titan's teeth have protected us, we now see it is expanding outward here. Farmers' crops are failing. Their land is, well, it's like rotting. Animals are dying. We cannot exist outside of the walls, and so it means we will eventually perish.
3: I'm sorry to hear that. I'll commune with the spirits there and see if I can find anything for you. Though I admit, the one that I met from the Vulture Lands wasn't exactly kind.
0: I have only visited its edges. I am not surprised. You will find no kindness where you your companions are going. In fact, I expect that you will find only your own deaths. No one has ever approached the city of Law from the other direction. No one has ever come out. While I have guided a few in, I have never seen them again.
3: At this point, I believe we reached the house. Well, I suppose then, um, pray for us. Or hope. Do you hope here, at least?
0: We do. It is why we have led people in. Perhaps the heart of whatever is reaching out from that evil place. Perhaps you will find it and cure it, or destroy it, and it will save us. Perhaps.
3: And Kimmin smiles, says good night, and appears as though he's getting ready for bed, you know. After Ishth leaves, I pull out one of these pink discs of soul glass. Kimmin peeks his head out the door to see if the coast is clear, and I'm gonna sneak out of the town, and I want to try to find a graveyard, perhaps, or... Try to sense a a place of higher spirit density or higher permeability, perhaps.
0: Yeah. How? I know that you're saying you're maybe going to a graveyard, but did you have to like look through the glass to do this? Or is there some sort of other way to like think of like a dowsing rod, right? Like what's your system for locating those places?
3: Looking through the glass is dope and not a thing that I had ever considered, but sounds really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I like that a lot. This glass seems to like channel. And the idea that it allows you to kind of hazily yeah, like lance through that veil, I think makes sense to me. So okay, cool. Well,
1: and Najaz used this stuff for like sympathetic magic to like blow a bunch of spirit possessed things up or like That's right. so that it probably does have some resonance with whatever spirit world is around here.
3: To uh remind if you didn't listen to Session Zero uh, or want to listen to season two, which you should, Soul Glass is the byproduct of a soul being transported back and forth between the spirit world and the living world, and it is basically congealed spirit energy. It was namely the byproduct of Veloviari and his weird soul magic. Hardened ectoplasm.
0: Basically. All right, sweet. So you're like looking through this. Go ahead and give me a discern realities then.
3: Yeah, it's an 11. So the first question I'm going to ask, so I get, um, as part of my class, I get, what do the spirits whisper here, as a move I can ask at any time, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask that. So I think that that's where we'll start. I'm trying to locate them, and we'll see what kinds of things they're saying and where they're guiding me toward. And barring that, um, what here is useful or valuable to me would be the next one. And we'll do, what should I be on the lookout for, I think, that... I haven't uh, I haven't noticed anything here that's really caused me to worry but as as one has suggested pretty <laughs> high strung.
0: So you're wandering around this city looking for basically a place of power. That didn't occur to me but yes. You're definitely caught off guard because you're kind of just wandering and you're you're looking for like something specific and I think originally you said that you were looking for a graveyard, right? So you're looking for something that kind of is of the city or in the city, but ultimately what you find is Despite the the smoothed nature of these tiers of the city, eventually there's a point where a big stone is jutting out and it's like buried in the ground. So it's clearly emerging from greater depths underneath the surface and it radiates with spiritual energy. So that's useful or valuable. What should I be on the lookout for? You see a little flower spirit. It's, like, in one of these sections of dead flowers, and it's being dragged into the dead earth beneath it, that, like, muck that seems to grip onto you guys when you're coming in. The ground is the same way, and this little tiny spirit is, like, half-struggling in it. Oh, can I help
3: the spirit? How? What do you do? It's being dragged down. I'm going to reach out and try to pull it free.
0: I mean, it's intangible. Your hand passes through it. Well, can I catch it? by making a totem sure so that's that's actually different than spirit not a totem sorry you're yeah you you do have like a
3: yeah so i have spirit catcher which is for when a creature dies but this seems to be
0: functionally uh yeah go ahead and read that because i'm maybe
3: so spirit catcher when you when you witness a creature die you can bind its spirit to a special totem you carry roll plus whiz on a 10 plus the spirit is captured the gene will tell you when you release the spirit the effect is something supernatural and associated with the spirit's nature or greatest desire in life. Your spirit catcher totem does not have charges and can be re- and can be released freely, but the spirit must move on after it is used. You can only have one spirit catcher token on a 7 through 9. There's also a complication, such as the spirit is unpredictable. There's an additional undesirable effect. The spirit is restless and must be used within a certain amount of time. Again, those are just um, suggestions, not the only options you can use.
0: Uh, I dig it. I think that makes perfect sense. Let's do it. All right, that's a 10. Wow. What is the, like, totem that you captured in? I guess that's not the right... You have a special thing for this? Is that right? I thought this what the move read, is, like, this one This one is, like, a unique item. It's not like the others.
3: Yeah, I didn't think about that. I was thinking... So, as described earlier, I have just basically coins of spirit glass hanging all around my body. I, I jangle a lot, which is something I probably could have leaned on a little bit harder. So, in one ear... I have the Cylinder of Ilm Metal, which I was gifted by a spirit to help me in the Vulture Lands, but in my other ear is a much larger piece of soul glass, similarly shaped a cylinder. And so like a series of lenses, I use the coin in my hand and direct the spirit's energy
0: toward the side of my head or my ear. Cool. Cool. And so it reads that you you've captured it and you can release it at one point, right? And then it acts like your normal totem spirits do, I assume.
3: The GM will tell you what happens when you release the spirit. So so basically it's a bit different than the totems that I make, but yes.
0: Got it. Cool. That's rad. So yeah, you can write down that you have captured the spirit. It's a it's a wildflower spirit. Fantastic. So your last question was what do the spirits whisper here, right? this boulder that's pretty close to like where this wildflower was at right like they're kind of in the vicinity of each other i think as you approach it's not that the spirit here or that the spirits here are whispering they are groaning grunting as you approach this stone you can feel the spirit radiating this boulder that's place of power is part of the mountain part of this mountain chain and you can hear it you can feel it, the mountain, struggling to hold back something behind it. And you can tell that it's slipping and that part of it is is getting through. The mountain spirit here in all its vast might and its slow churn in the earth, this defiant, terrible strength that you feel within it, it's at its breaking point. And whatever is held back, by these mountains, it's not going to be held back much longer.
3: The camera shows Kimmin's frightened face as he hears the groaning and pans up along the mountain ridge as the full weight of the situation presses upon him. And Kimmin brushes the stone for a moment, an attempt to bolster it, hold on a little while longer. And then he backs up slowly, turns and runs back to this living quarters
0: there's a shimmer of the camera screen as it transitions like a mirage back into that dream lotus den with Urazidi and Milio the two of you are hanging out in the dream lotus den what are you, what are you doing i mean i know what Urazidi's doing i suppose you guys give me a scene i think of what's going on over there
2: so you say your father has a a bird the fuck do you mean he has a bird
1: uh, yes it is the uh the sacred rock that protects ashkashar a giant eagle they eat elephants you know
2: why didn't you get a bird
1: well there's there's only the one it doesn't lay eggs it's a boy rock
2: i assume does it only lay eggs to the worthy or just not for you
1: no aren't you aren't you listening it's he doesn't
0: lay eggs the bowl that's been passed around this communal uh partaking of the lotus has has reached your hands finally residi <sighs>
1: oh that is interesting i can feel my
0: lips <laughs> yeah you feel like when you are about to fall asleep and your body falls through to the bed and normally you jolt awake but With Dream Lotus, you don't. Yeah, like your whole body just feels like you just fell through a hole, and Melio's way up there. (laughs) Like you could talk to him still, but it's not easy.
1: Razidi leans back into the cushions. You know, you could come visit and see the rock, and and while you were in Ashkashar, you could, you know, record my the a ballad of my. My tales, my legend.
2: Kid, you realize this is your chance to have a ballad written about you, right? It's a financial plus
0: whiz, you guys think? What do we want to do? We don't have a custom move for this. Maybe we should, but. I thought we did at one point, but for drugs. Con is usually what we've done con is about drugs hitting you but i'm i want to know specifically because this is dream lotus like how coherent you can navigate like how lucid is the dream is now what i'm like kind of intrigued by less so like your physicality because i think you're right we have done this as a constitution i know we've definitely done that a bunch with any kind of drug or alcohol like
1: how well is he able to just like roll with it how yeah how well can yeah. you like
0: control what you're doing so they, in this dream like so uh, kind of state you know
2: Okay. Well, that's charisma. What you're describing, keeping your sense of self and inside of what's happening. Mm,
0: that's fair. <laughs> yeah. How how rough is the ego death? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's do, let's do a define integer plus charisma then. Cool. Uh, an eight. An eight. So I think at, at this right, you say like this is your chance to have a ballad written about you. And there is just, like, he's gone. (laughs) There was that slow transition. And now you're like, oh, like, my friend is uh, locked on this cushion. Yep. (laughs) Uh. Dominating your vision. It opens like an eye. But it is this burning red sun. And you see it then fold outward from itself. And as it twists around, it becomes this kind of black, crystalline facet that's twisting around, ever-twisting, churning. And that breaks apart, shatters. The screams of a bird of some kind seem to be dying. And then you're looking at this vast open sky. And emerging from the blue is this... Black smoke and ash. Emilio, how do you wake up Urazidi in the morning?
2: I probably have to go outside to find a pail of water. (laughs) Hopefully it ain't too much work. I, yeah, find a well, pull up a cache of water, pull it inside. My prince, your order has arrived! And I just... Pour a bucket of water over, that over does his it. face and drench it. Rozidi's awake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> you barbarian. My, <laughs> my silks. Oh, you bastard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Careful. Your mascara is running. I
1: think mean, that's a good place to just smash cut to us trying to leave. Unless there was other stuff, agree. That's pretty
0: much all I had. Yeah. Uh, I will say when you uh, are uh, awakened and maybe maybe partway up the path as you're trying to like struggling to kind of just feel awake today, he's he's leaning real hard on his glaive. Yeah, those days when like you you don't have any coffee or can't have any coffee or whatever, and you just have that extra level of like, I wish I could just go back to bed. That's what you're feeling, and you're gonna feel this literally. All day. (laughs) Awesome. But you realize that you actually, you know the next piece. Not the whole next line, but the next like chunk of that prophecy. So, in total so far, when the crimson sun rises and the gates are opened, the wielder will bring the tyrant low. When the sky burns to ash is the next piece. Dope. So the three of you rejoin with Ishth and he leads you guys off of one of the plateaus, one of the little, you know, levels. Not at the height of the city, but there is a pathway leading up and you guys start to switch back up the mountain. Eventually, you kind of come to an area that levels out a little bit um, after you've been climbing up, hiking up the mountain for a good hour or so. Occasionally, you would see trees and such still. That has all fallen away. You guys are now basically in um, high-altitude desert. So it's mostly wildflowers here. And you see patches of it that have died off. And you come to another rise of the mountain. But rather than switching back up this one and continuing your climb, uh, instead at the edge here, there's a cut through the rock. And in front of it are two statues. As you come up, Ishth says, This is the Gate of Jet. It leads to the Harpy's Pass. Hmm we'll take a break. You should eat lunch. And as you guys come up, there are two statues on either side of this cut through the mountain. Both of them are black cyclopses, about 40 feet tall. One of them is missing a leg. It is collapsed underneath it, and it stands on only its left. The other is missing about half of its upper torso. it has crumbled down, and its head rests upside down on the ground before you. It's on one of these black stones that Ish sits himself down. Both of these cyclopses, though worn and clearly weathered and eroded by time and rain, each of them has a gleaming, glistening eye carved out of pure obsidian that looks as if it was made by the finest jewel crafters, more fine than anything you've ever seen. Each of these obsidian eyes is, well, bigger than each of your heads. Each of these statues holds in their hand a symbol of death. What are they holding? So I need one item for each of them that everybody can come up with.
2: So we have ideas. We have a lantern and a bird skull.
1: Are they both holding the same thing or are they holding different things? Each of them holds a different
2: different item. I actually think
0: both of those are really cool. Yeah. All right. So one of them is holding a lantern and the other holds a bird skull. So Ish takes a seat on the rock and unpacks um, some dried meat and like a kind of what looks like a butter of some kind, a kind of paste that he like adds to it and eats it. Uh, You guys have a minute here to break. I'm sitting just outside these statues. What do you all do?
1: Can I dig through the lessons in my like remembered lessons that I sort of half paid attention to with my tutors and stuff and figure out anything about these two statues
0: you try trying to spout lore yeah go for it that's a 12 so these would have been statues or rather these are statues that would mark what once was sort of a valley of kings this marks a cyclopean graveyard the entrance to one i should say and these uh figures here would have been servants of their master that is servants of of their god death uh, who protected it something useful maybe what's more useful because i want to connect it directly to the fact that you're you're learning like your education um informed you about like this kind of you know valley of kings it's that since you guys are trying to head towards what you thought was a cyclopean city you know that Nothing that would have entered this valley would have ever come out. Gotcha. The slaves that would have been taking the kings there died there. They would have killed themselves there. That's part of like the Cyclopean death ritual, the funeral, is that your slaves carry you there, bury you there, and they kill themselves to serve you in the next life. Sick. Uruzidi, do you convey that information to your your party?
1: Do you know what waits... Uh, Beyond these these gates, either of you?
2: Hopefully a good story for me to recount to Frothgar.
1: It is said that no one has ever returned from a trip into the valley below. What awaits us below is a place of death that it is said that none return from
2: ain't you been down there Ish. like
0: i said i've been to the edges of the vulture lands but not further i certainly wouldn't say that i've been to the heart of things there's a bridge further on and i've i've never crossed it i've only looked down seen what i can see and Get out of there. That's on those days, of course, I can get past the harpies.
3: Of course, the harpies. Well, we never thought this would be easy.
1: A good story's never easy, right?
2: Couple of them are, but they don't bring in the real money. Uraziti
1: rests Talon
2: over his shoulders.
1: Well, everything else is just stalling from this point forward. I think he... Maybe it's like a part of this lotus hangover can hear the, the clip-clop of cataphract horse hooves coming up.
0: The blood rider, the heavy yeah. clinking of the armor.
3: Well, if you're in such a hurry, in just one second. and unclips his earring, the totem I caught the wildflower spirit in. Walk over to a patch of flowers. If I understood the rocks correctly yesterday... I don't think you want to come with us. I'm going to release the spirit here.
0: Do you have a roll for that?
3: Yeah, so I can give you the... If you, if I were to catch worldly spirits, not that these have to inform at all, because this is obviously a little more benign than a lot of the things yours are suggesting. But some of them... So there's the spirit of mending, which uh, heals for 1d8. I, myself, are an ally. Some of them do a d6 damage. Some of them uh, summon large snakes. Uh, increases your armor. I'm not really looking for any of these kinds of things. I'm legitimately just looking to release this spirit away, at least um, away from directly the mire, which we are no doubt going to find on in the vulture lands.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think you release it and you see it. It lands on a flower petal and it crawls inside the flower. It's not too long after that. There are, like, numerous bees floating around it. That's it.
3: Some life may find its way here yet.
2: Stop trying to be all poetic and let's go. I'm the poet now.
0: (laughs) All right, prepare yourselves. It's not going to be an easy afternoon, and Ishth stands back up, grabs his shield from behind his back, kind of leans on it a little bit, and pulls a little hand crossbow out from, from his belt. Follow me and he heads between the two statues into this carved out section of the mountain. Hell yeah. Called "I Want a Rock." Okay. I want a rock. <laughs> I want a rock. Rock. <laughs> we built
1: this city on rock and sorcery, <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> hold, hold
0: on, you. you hold on, you. Gannon! No, that's enough.